0: Once upon a time, in a vast forest, there lived a small bird and a majestic eagle. The small bird was content with its life, flying around the trees and singing its beautiful melodies. The eagle, however, felt a deep longing to soar higher and explore the vastness of the sky. One day, As the small bird was perched on a branch, the eagle approached and said, Dear friend, don't you ever wonder what lies beyond these trees? There is a whole world out there waiting to be discovered. Come with me and we shall fly to great heights together. The small bird looked at the eagle with uncertainty. And replied, but I am comfortable here. The forest provides me with everything I need. Why should I leave? The eagle gently spoke. While the forest is beautiful and nurturing, there is so much more beyond it. You have wings, my friend. Wings that can take you to unimaginable heights. Don't you want to experience the freedom and vastness of the open sky? The small bird pondered for a moment, contemplating the world of the eagle. Eventually, curiosity sparked within its heart, and it decided to embark on this adventure. The small bird spread its wings and took flight following the eagle as they soared higher and higher into the boundless sky. As they soared together, the small bird began to experience a sense of exhilaration and freedom it had never known before. It marveled at the breathtaking views and the endless possibilities that lay before them. It realized that by stepping out of its comfort zone, It had discovered a new dimension of existence. With time, the small bird's wings grew stronger. It was no longer a small bird. It became more and more like the eagle. Hello again, this is Alex. I am glad that you're joining us for yet another episode. We spoke of being lost in our minds and therefore being lost in past and future and constantly missing the present moment. We saw that in order to find the present moment something needs to change in us, right? It has to do with our state of mind, it has to do with our state of consciousness. It has to do with where our attention is in relation to our mind. To begin with, let's just make sure that you are here. Wherever you are, make sure to be there. Make sure to bring all of your attention as much as possible, to the fact that you are here, and nowhere else. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. If you're doing a physical activity of any sort, you don't need to stop. You can continue and say to yourself that you're going to bring your attention back to the present moment. Your mind is going to get confused, I assure you. What do you mean by that? Well, that's why I told you it doesn't have anything to do with the mind coming back to the present moment. That's why the mind can't understand what we mean when we say that. And that's why the mind is always making excuses of why you cannot return to the present moment. I told you that the ego hates the present moment. And the mind and the ego, they are strongly linked to one another. That's what we'll explore in the future, I'm sure. But for now, just return to the moment for a second. Return to where you are. Return to your body. Return to any sensations that you can acknowledge. Don't allow your mind's opinion on this exercise to stop it, because your mind is going to have an opinion about this exercise. It's going to judge it as stupid, or not useful, unhelpful, Because probably your mind is not going to like this. Your mind is going to say that this is strange, uncomfortable, stupid, or whatever. But try to be conscious of your mind as just another object. In the same way as you can be conscious of any sounds around you, for example. Can we try that? Listen to anything that you can hear Around you. Obviously, the voice, the sound of my voice, is the main thing that you are going to be able to hear. But I am going to shut up in a minute so that you can see for yourself what other things you can hear. And now let go of your auditory perception and bring your attention to your body. Can you feel your body in your chair? Can you feel your feet making contact with the ground? Ground yourself back here, right? When there is a tension in your body, in any sensations in your body or in any of your sense perceptions, that's what we call an anchor. It grounds you in the present moment. When you're conscious of your body or of your breath or of your thoughts, for that matter, you are not entirely lost. You are here. You are present. You're back where you're supposed to be. Welcome. (laughs) Make sure that there is attention behind your life, behind the content of your life. In one dimension we have the content of your life, which is what happens to you. It includes events that happen to you, things that come to you from the outside, so to speak, We have that. Sometimes there's warmth that comes from the outside. Sometimes there's coldness. Sometimes there's sun. Sometimes there's water falling from the sky. Sometimes there's pain. Sometimes there's pleasure. But that's only one dimension of our life. That's the surface dimension. And this dimension includes any kind of form, any kind of content, whether it is a physical form or an emotional form or a mental form or an auditory form or a visual form. Anything that has to do with form And here we include thoughts as well, because thoughts are mental formations, as we will see in a second. If we take everything that has a form and put it together, that's the surface dimension of your life. It includes who you think you are, where you think you're going, where you think you come from, the story about you, right? And here we include your depressions and your anxiety and your grief and we also include your happiness, pleasure and those things, right? And this surface dimension is most of what people know about their lives. That's where 99.9% of life is lived. And many times that's all that we think there is to life. But in reality, this is only the tip of the iceberg of what life is and also of what you are, of course. The rest of the iceberg is what underlies the surface. It's something that's deeper than the surface. It has a dimension of depth to it. It's like this story of the person who was about to get murdered. And all of a sudden he starts remembering about his life and his children and his regrets and the things he didn't do while he could. How he should have behaved differently with his children, and how he should have treated his parents better, and how he should have told his wife that he loved her while he had the chance. And the moment the knife is being thrown at him, all of a sudden I remember, oh, I'm in the cinema, and this is just a movie. (laughs) And what about the anxiety and the dread that I was feeling? The sense of impeding doom, as it's sometimes called. Where is it? It's gone, right? I realize it has nothing to do with me, has it? I found a different dimension to my life. This metaphor of the movie and the one who watches the movie is very common in spirituality. What it points to is to find the one who's watching. Find the observer. Can we try to do that? Remember that in your mind, in your field of consciousness, there's not only content, which is what your mind says and what you experience, but also the one to whom these things happen. We can say the awareness in which the thing happens, the canvas in which the painting is painted, the awareness in which the thought exists. That dimension is there too, but obviously it is a silent dimension, it doesn't make much noise, that's why we never pay attention to it. Imagine that you have two children, one of which she is very quiet, but very centered and sensed, and she knows what she's doing, and she has this quality of equanimity in her personality. And then you have a boy who's a bit more unstable according to your judgment of him and you're much more concerned about him and you feel like you need to be there to support him and to guide him and he's very loud and he screams, shouts, all of it. Whom, as a mother, would you pay more attention to? I'm not asking whom as a mother would you want to pay more attention to because then I know you would say both but I'm asking whom would you actually pay more attention to and the answer is obvious, isn't it? In the same way, internally our attention is constantly grasped by the stickiness and the sense of urgency that comes your field of consciousness from your mind you can see this for yourself start investigating how urgent your thoughts always pretend to be there is a sense of urgency that obviously doesn't have words to it but if it could be expressed in words it would sound something like this you really need to think about this. It's important. I am important. You need to think about me because if not, you're going to be ruined. That's the sense of urgency that's behind most of our thoughts. And obviously, our attention gets grasped by it very quickly and pulled away. We spoke about the story in Aldous Huxley's book called Island which as I told you is a very good novel that tells of a journalist that gets shipwrecked on a remote island and then he realizes the population in this island is disconnected from the rest of the world and the inhabitants seem to have something very special to them, which is they live more conscious, they live more connected to life, to nature, to themselves, to spirit, whatever you want to call it. And one of the first things that this journalist experiences when he gets shipwrecked in the island is that the parrots start talking to him. And they say, here and now, be here, now, return here, things like that. Only later does he find out that it was actually the villagers who taught the parrots these words in order to be reminded to return to the present moment and to let go of the stickiness of the mind and past and future, and problems, and all of that. Can we do a brief exercise together? Can you take your phone out? I'll wait. Unless you're driving, of course, in that case, don't. If you're doing whatever else, take your phone out. Unlock it. Go to the timer app which is probably in the clock app, and then you have a timer, and set the timer for one hour. Now, lock your phone away and forget about it. What we're going to do is we're going to give you a very simple task. The moment in the future, when now becomes the future, in one hour, your phone is going to shoot off the timer. I want you to take that moment, that alarm, as if the parrots were screaming in your ears. Here and now, be present, return. And at that moment, I want you to return to the present moment and pay attention to anything around you. Feeling your body, feeling your breath, looking around, This reminds me of a quote by um, Tolstoy. He says, If then I were asked for the most important advice I could give, that which I considered to be the most useful to the people of our century, I should simply say, In the name of God, stop a moment. cease your work. Look around you. What we are looking for seems to be a bit difficult to grasp, especially if we try to grasp it through words. It can only be grasped by a feeling. You can only understand it when you feel it and it is a sensation of peace in your chest. In the center of your being, that you don't know where it's coming from. But the point is that words are limited in how much they can carry this message that I am trying to send. We said that what we are trying to find is not to be found or understood through our usual way of knowing about things, which is by thinking about them. What is thought? Have you ever asked yourself this? Thought, if you pay attention to your own thoughts, you will see this and you will be able to verify what I am saying, so I don't need to show you any evidence, right? Because you will be the evidence. Thought is nothing more than two things. There's two types of thoughts. The first one is the thought which is verbal. That is, you talk to you in your head in the same way as I am talking to you or in the same way as you are talking to your wife before going to sleep. In this same way, your mind talks to itself or to you, right? Your mind, you, talks to you. So who are you? There seems to be two of you. This is the fault of the system, actually, that if you pay attention to it closely, you start seeing the cracks and that's where the light comes in. That's what Leonard Cohen said, I think. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And this is one of the cracks of your mind, that there are two of you in there. And obviously you can only be one, right? That's self-intuitive. So, if your mind is talking to someone inside of you, Who is it? And who are you in that dynamic? Coming back to thought, we said that the first type of thought is verbal. What are words? If we think about it very objectively, we see that words are nothing but a combination of two things. One are The vowels, which are sounds that are created by our vocal cords. I'm not an expert on this, but I think there are five types, which are A, E, I, O, U. Right? I mean... Don't quote me on this, I'm not an expert, but I think that's how it is. And then, the second component to language and words are consonants, which are only a combination of air pressure and movements in the muscles of our mouth, including our lips, tongue, and probably many more muscles that I don't know of. (laughs) This is not a medical podcast, clearly. (laughs) So the combination of air pressure and muscle pressure in your mouth create combinations like this. See? Simple, isn't it? Now, if we combine the two elements, which are the consonants and the vowels, we have the following. Hello there, my name is Alex. I'm glad that you're here. (laughs) That's language. Pretty basic, isn't it? So, how can something that basic explain the mysteries of life? or who you really are. Sounds like a pretty limited system to me. But obviously now we have numbers, right? Which tend to be a bit more specific when trying to describe something. And we have mathematicians and physicians and astronomers who are trying to make sense of the universe through a language that is probably a bit more specific than spoken word, and that is numbers and formulas. But again, it's limited somehow. And the quicker we learn that we can never understand the mysteries of the universe or anything important about ourselves through thought or number, the better. This is from Hafiz who was a Persian poet. He says O thou who are trying to learn the marvel of the universe through the copy book of reason I am very much afraid that you will never see the point. Basically he is saying You cannot learn the marvel of the universe through the copybook of reason, that is, through words, through intellectual analysis, through mathematic formulas. There has to be a different capacity through which we can understand the mysteries of the universe. Or, he wouldn't have said anything like that. That's the first kind of thought. Words. Some people might think in numbers. I don't, but maybe the possibility exists now that I've said what I've said. But, if you do think in numbers... Let us know, (laughs) leave a comment, uh, give a like. (laughs) Anyway, the second kind of thought is image, visual thought. See how I told you about this movie that I was seeing where someone was getting murdered and then I realized I am only the spectator. This motion picture kind of thing also happens in our minds all of a sudden I can visualize something and I am imagining something that I don't want to happen and how dreadful it will be when this or that happens if my boyfriend leaves me then I will be depressed and we can visualize this fantasy even with our eyes open isn't that incredible? I can be sitting here in front of my desk physically while mentally I am in Dubai thinking about how incredible my holiday is going to be in two weeks from now and how many things I'm going to see. If I ask you to visualize a green elephant you can see it even if it doesn't exist even if you have your eyes open. This is visual thought. If I ask you to repeat the phrase Coca-Cola five times in your mind, you can do it. That's what verbal thought is. And these are the only kind of thoughts that you can have. The problem with these thoughts is that they are so sticky that we lose ourselves in them. It's like being in prison. Quote, If you want to get out of prison, the first thing you must do is realize that you are in prison. If you think that you are free, no escape is possible. Unquote. Words and images are the two main mechanisms through which your mind imprisons you, so to speak. It's obviously a metaphor, but what it points to is that words and images in the form of thought distract your attention so frequently and to such an extent that you lose yourself in them. And then you forget that there is something more to this that we call life than just thought and words. No matter how specific, thoughts, words, images, numbers can never fully grasp the essence of what they are trying to describe. Take the example of a mango. There is a finite set of words that can describe the taste of a mango. Sweet, sour, and so on. I'm sure people have written PhD projects about the taste of mangoes. People do weird things. (laughs) But guess what? If you eat one mango, Just now, you will know much more about the taste of mangoes than those researchers could possibly understand through years and years of research. Words are there to point to something that's beyond them. When a child points to a tree and the dad says, that's a tree, Slowly, the child is being taught to equate the mysterious reality that lies in front of him with the sound tree or whatever sound, bee or water. Eventually, the child's consciousness becomes trapped in a conceptual reality of the world where everything has a name. If I know what that there is called, then I have a sense of security. But it's a fake security, of course. I think that I am no longer surrounded by unknown, but in reality, I am getting imprisoned in this conceptual reality. And words slowly, gradually, create space between me and that tree, between me and that flower, between me and that mountain. Because the day I know what they are called, I stop actually looking at the mystery that they are. If you teach the child the name of the bird, the child we'll never see that bird again, says Krishnamurti. Alan Watts was known for saying that trying to understand the world by intellectual analysis is like trying to drink the Pacific Ocean with a fork. Basically saying that the intellectual capacity that we have of abstract thought has limitations. And one of those limitations is that you cannot understand the nature of the universe through intellectual analysis. Albert Einstein said something that I liked. He said... I did not arrive at my understanding of the fundamental laws of the universe through my rational mind. And this is Albert Einstein himself speaking. I did not arrive at my understanding of the fundamental laws of the universe through my rational mind. What he is saying is, All the marvels I've realized, I have not realized through my rational mind, through my thinking mind. And again, this means that there is something deeper than that. There is a different capacity to understand. A capacity to understand that has nothing to do with the mind, with thought. This is from Ram Das. We are sitting under the tree of our thinking minds, wondering why we are not getting any sunshine. The mind distracts your attention, and by doing that, it then cuts you off from the sunshine of life, from the joy that comes when you return home, to the present moment. Suddenly, there is a feeling of aliveness inside, a feeling of alertness. And the beauty of this aliveness, or this presence, or this awareness, the one who observes the mind, the beauty of it is that it's always there. It's always there behind Anything that happens to you. It's a dimension to which you always have access to, no matter where you are. All you have to do is pay attention, return to the present moment, look inside, and you will find it there. It's always there. It's just that most of the time we don't care to look, we are too distracted in our minds, in our drama in our complicated thoughts, in our fears or desires. The easiest way to access this deeper dimension is indirectly. By that I mean we access it by paying attention to something else. And what we pay attention to is our mind. We can also include our emotions. We will talk more about that later, but more fundamentally, our mind. This is called self-observation. Observing yourself, being there as the presence that observes the mind. Someone says something to you and your mind immediately reacts. Who does he think he is to say something like that to me? I'm going to show him. If you can catch this thought as it sparks, that's self-observation. If you can catch your mind as it is commenting on your life and reacting to the things that are happening, then you activate a deeper dimension in yourself, which is the dimension of the observer. If you are there to listen to your mind, all of a sudden, there's two dimensions. The mind, the noise, and you, the observer. And what happens then is you start realizing you are more this awareness than you are the content of your mind. And that is how the Great Liberation, which is the liberation from your mind, starts. This is by Anthony the Mello. Self-observation, watching yourself, is not the same as self-absorption. Self-absorption is self-preoccupation. Where you are concerned about yourself, worried about yourself. We are talking about self observation. What's that? It means to watch everything in you and around you as far as possible, and watch in as if it were happening to someone else. As if you were in the cinema watching a movie called My Life and My Problems. The important thing when doing self-observation is that you do not personalize what is happening to you. It means that you look at things as if you had no connection with them whatsoever. Now something very similar in the words of Jesus. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, Jesus says, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. This is the capacity of observation, internal observation, that is very important in the kind of work that we are trying to do. Another word for it is mindfulness. Paying attention, self-observation, self-remembrance. It doesn't matter what you call it. The important part is that you connect to it that you connect to this dimension in you, where you are the observer of what's happening. I don't know if you've heard about meditation, you might have, I don't know if you're practicing meditation, if you are, that's incredible, because meditation is a very useful, practical way in which we can strengthen this ability of Self-observation, which I don't think anyone can tell you how valuable that is. Only you can find that out for yourself. If you've never heard of meditation, or if you feel like you never truly understood it, I am recording a few meditation sessions as well that I'm going to include in this podcast as extra content. I'm going to try to introduce um, the most basic of meditation techniques and uh, also upload a few guided meditations so that you can engage with them and start meditating by listening to them. So if you're interested, uh, tune in uh, to any of the guided meditation episodes that I will include as well. That's all for now. Remember to try to be more present, try to be more as the awareness behind your thoughts. Just do your best. Try to remember as much as you can about the present moment and about your mind's tendency to pull you away from it. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel in your preferred platform. You can also find us online at truthfullytalking.com or on social media under Truthfully Talking. That's all for now. Take care. Bye-bye.